You're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod. A little bit different this week, or certainly for the first pod of this week. It is a very, very warm welcome to BBC Wales, Lauren Jenkins, one of the busiest ladies in broadcast at the moment. Lauren, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Straight into, not complaining, straight into the women's Six Nations from the men. I'm very much enjoying it. One atmosphere it was in Cardiff on, God, what day are we? Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, and it's been, look, it's been a tough time in Welsh rugby. Raining time, so it, it felt like um, a real change. There was a change in the air and it was a pleasure to be there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Gary Healy from GH Media. Anyone want to know anything about... Uh... Scottish women's rugby, then, then Gary is the man. Gary, how are we doing? Yeah, good, thank you, good, thank you. Enjoyed your trip to Newcastle? Yeah, no, it was great to get down to Newcastle, obviously. Yeah. Tough result for Scotland, but they, some glimpses of, of what they can do and also just great to be there for, for St. Hunter's last game. It was a, a great atmosphere and a, a sort of privilege to be there to see that, really. So, yeah, it was great. Good stuff. We're going to go through um, round one. Mainly looking back, we'll sort of just touch on, on, on next week as, uh, as well. But uh, just going through the games chronologically, of course... We started up uh, with Wales against Ireland, 31-5 to Wales. Tries for Hannah Jones, uh, Alex Callender, Kira Bevan, Salila Tuapalotu, who is also a player of the match. Nicola Friday got one back for Ireland. It, Lauren, it was some start from Wales. I mean, if you're turning a, a page over for a new chapter starting a World Cup cycle, too many faults. Not at all. I mean, this was the moment I think things finally clicked for the team. And it, it was certainly the moment investment was evident to see. Two years after separating what was re- really a humiliating 45 nil defeat to Ireland, they go on to record one of their biggest wins in the competition against the same opposition. Um, and it is their biggest win in the tournament since 2015. It's more significant now, I think, because it shows how much potential there is, not just in this team, but you know, in the game as a whole, if if you do invest in women's rugby, I was yeah, I had a conversation with Philip Tutti last week, and we were talking about you know that third to sixth place, and and I guess is there a reason to believe one or more of those teams should be better or worse than twenty twenty two? Because everyone sort of beat each other, didn't they, last year by. I think it was eight points or fewer. By that Italy v Ireland game, there was only a, a try or, um, you know, it, it was the, the result was in jeopardy going into the final 10 minutes for every game. And I think, yes, it's only 80 minutes of rugby, but going on round one, you'd like to think Wales are that team now. And we know that, that every team in some shape or form is, profession, is professional and have professional contracts, but they're on different parts of that journey. And it shows you need at least a year um, to really reap the rewards. What did you make of the the roar of the of the Welsh Dragon, Gary? Yeah, no, very impressive. And you hear so much from coaches and players leading up to tournaments and, and matches, you know, about a quick start. And that's, you know, exactly what Wales did really. They came out came out of the gates flying, didn't they? And um, you know, their their sort of their pack really got them on the front foot. And yeah, that first half an hour I was sort of sitting in the the press room in Newcastle watching that before Scotland game and I was already thinking to, to week two and Wales obviously come up to Scotland because they, they were looking fairly uh, fairly good and yeah to get to get the bonus point in such quick time I mean that's just uh, yeah the, the perfect start for them wasn't it yeah it certainly was and I, and I really like Lauren the, the the blend of of the side yeah you, you've had a, a few more experienced players obviously notably uh, Sean Lillycrap has has stepped away now Hannah Jones has, has got that 
got the full armband now, not just half of it that she had during the World Cup. But the blend and, and then the youngsters like Turpilotti comes in who had an outstanding game. She keeps moving up a row each tournament. Um, I'm not quite sure where she's going to be next year, but because, um, yeah, she was second row last year. It's a really nice blend and and, and players like Kira Bevan, I thought, you know, has been questioned whether she starts or Fionn Lewis and what have you, but she really, really stepped up as well. It looks like everybody's blending, blending nicely together. Yeah, I particularly like the centre combination of Lake and Hannah Jones. You know, they beat six or five defenders respectively, punch totals in the Irish defence. Um, and, it, you know, it's hard to sort of pick what pleases you the most because Cecilio, deserving player of the match, was in the middle of everything. You know, the dominance of the pack, I think, set the tone early on. Um, but they weren't just relying on the mall and scrum. You know, they, they varied the attack. They had width inside balls, scored four tries in 33 minutes in the end. And and they have also got competition for places, I think, which um, is driving them on. We know Shuan's retired, girls like Alicia Butcher's a sideline. But you look at that back row, you had Beth and Lewis starting, but then Sean Ed forced to come on. They're, they're very versatile in where they can play. She moved to six. Um, and it looks... It looks like there's a lot to be excited about when it comes to this Welsh side. They, they there were negatives as well, you know, and I don't think anyone's getting too carried away because of where Ireland are. They conceded 14 penalties, seven knock-ons, but perhaps you expect that if you try in a few more things in attack. Um, but yeah, look, I think you do need to put that Ireland team performance in context. You know, they've just turned pro. Several experienced players missing with the sevens, no rugby world cup, which has so many positives. It's not just about playing the best in the world. You know, Wales played New Zealand twice. It's also that time together off the pitch to bond, you know, that time that really contributes to a healthy, happy atmosphere, which Wales have been crying out for over, over the last few, few years. On the other side, Gary, Ireland, only three tests since, since the last six nations. Um, and obviously, as Laura just said, uh, not at the World Cup, and uh, and those contracts which some have, you know, have have turned down because of having to to live away to play their club rugby and what have you, uh, and that showed it showed that they they are behind the eight ball at the minute, aren't they, Ireland? Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think um, as Lauren said there, you know, the other countries will also have that that time away at the, the World Cup together, um, the time before that as well. So you know, you really can't just throw a group of players together and expect them to get results. I know some of them all played in the Celtic Challenge, but that's a you know it's a massive step up from from that competition. And then obviously just the start of this week we've heard that the you know the sevens head coach Aidan McNulty's left left his post. So you know there's obviously a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I know quite like Greg McWilliams quote saying excuses are for losers, but you know if you wanted to he's got plenty at the minute. So um yeah it's uh Interesting times, but I guess for the young players that are coming through, you know, that's it's a, it's a great opportunity for them to show what they can do. And, you know, there was sort of, you know, in the second half, I guess, a, a few positives. So, you know, for those young players, I guess it's it's now up to them to just sort of, yeah, show what they can do and try and step up to the mark. But it's going to be a, a tough tournament for them. I think we almost need to see Ireland play again to, to really judge where they are because are we do we end up looking at that first half as being their worst of the tournament and the second half performance closer to to what they're like in the rest the rest of the games because it was five all in that second half and I think we probably do need to make the point that they were 
you know, Wales had the win behind them in the first half. They'd won the game by by half time. Um, so yeah, I it was it's a tough start and as you mentioned Greg post match I talked to him and he said look we've got a lot of soul searching to do and you know the players looked crestfallen not too dissimilar to Wales two years ago um but I guess we're you know Wales have set the standard now and hopefully will spur others on to um invest in their game I'm not saying Wales are the finished article by no means and all of their all of their match day 23 are playing in the Premier 15s which perhaps isn't ideal for the long term um but yeah I'll I'm intrigued to see where Ireland go from here yeah and and Wales are, the, are those sides those nations catching up it was a good Good example of where, as you say, the, the steps you can move forward. And, and finally, just just on that game, because we, we do need to to, to move on. Um, the crowd came out in 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 their droves, Lauren, as well a, a a record home crowd, absolutely smashed it. That says a huge amount as well to to everyone, including the union. Yeah, four thousand nine hundred and sixty-two, a record crowd, which is probably going to get smashed again when England arrive because of the proximity, of course. But um, look, the Ams Park is the best venue in Wales for men's domestic rugby. It's in the, the shadow of the Principality Stadium, in the middle of the capital. People pouring out to the street afterwards to the bars of Westgate Street, and I felt that atmosphere, it's a special atmosphere, watching Cardiff play there um, several times over the last few years, and I felt that very same atmosphere for the women on Saturday so you know they're, they're where the men's game are the, the club game is of course you know the the end goal is you get to a point where it's closer to a men's international but it's on its way and I think to be fair they had it for the Scotland game last year I just wasn't there for that occasion so but it was special and it was significant for me for sure. Speaking of crowds will ski sock seamlessly to um, a sellout crowd up at Kingston Park going not a not a a long journey for you uh, an outstanding atmosphere um good game of ruggers for a jolly good egg in in Sarah Hunter it was a fitting send off for the uh, 141 kappa 85 caps as captain MBE world player of the year nine grand slams etc 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 yeah no it was, it was absolutely brilliant you know just before the game just just being there and seeing the the crowd filling up, you know, lots of young girls and boys from from both Scotland and England, which was great to see. And then obviously, you know, Sarah coming out with her, her niece for the national anthems and things. That was just a, you know, a great moment for for them and the family. And then, yeah, I mean, as I say, you know, the way she played for the sort of hour she was on the pitch, you know, she she looks like she could still go on for for a few years. But, but I think the the best and the the kind of greatest get the, get the chance to choose their own uh, time to step away. And I think it was, uh, yeah. Fitting for her and just uh, yeah, a great deal around for for her in England. Uh, and on, on the park, um, twelve tries in, in all for for England, wasn't it? Um, Molly Packer hat trick. She was player of the match. McDonald, including McDonald with a couple, cocaine, a couple word, Phil Kabir. Um, what impressed you most, looking on as a as a Scotsman, possibly through your fingers? <laughs> no, I mean I think. Uh, you know, obviously England coming off the back of the, the World Cup defeat, there might have been a, a slight hangover, and obviously a bit of changing, changing personnel. But um, you know, the start wasn't the the quickest. But then once they got into their their stride in the middle period, they were just uh, yeah, their, their forwards really really took it to Scotland. I mean, Kabea, you know, I think she's only just turned twenty one. What a player she's she's turning out to be alongside Packer and uh, yeah, Claudia McDonald's two tries. The first one she ran a really good angle to to go over, and then the, 
the second one, you know, the pace that she had was just uh, just superb. So, you know, it's just it's just the options that, that England have. And uh, I think as Rachel Markham said after the game, you know, when they when they get there, uh, when they get ahead and uh, get on that front foot, they're very hard to stop. And uh, yeah, I guess just the variations of their their play would have would have pleased Simon Middleton and, and the rest of the coaching team. Watching on as a, a sort of a, a neutral, as it were, I don't know whether I'm right in saying it. If you're going to turn a page, and there was plenty of column inches written about England and their style at, at the World Cup, um, it, it looked as though they certainly wanted to to move things along, if not move things slightly wider as well. How, how impressed with you were with uh, with England's attack in particular? Yeah, without I guess moving too far away from from their traditional strong points, you know the rolling mall. Course, I think yeah. completed a treble, didn't she, with um two quick fire tries from driving malls. But um, you're right that their set piece dominant was blatant from the first scrum, really. But I think the way Holly conducted the backs um was, and I hadn't seen a huge amount of her, but. Um, she took her opportunity, took the shirt from Zoe Harrison and made a real statement, I think. And, you know, I, th- I was looking at the stats today, points per visit to 22, 4.5. I've become a bit obsessed with that stat because of how poor Wales men were in the Six Nations. And like, they were just so yep. clever. 13 line breaks and only five penalties conceded. So, you know, the, if you make in those sort of numbers, you're, you're winning test matches. You certainly are. Um, there were a few little starlets, a few little chinks of light, Gary, for, for, for Scotland. I mean, most people, since the game, were pointed to a, you know, a reasonably good start, reasonably good end, which you know is good in terms of sort of fitness and what have you, and, and some impact off the bench. What will they, what will they take from from last week to, to build into this week? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the you know contracts only coming into December for twenty eight players. Um, you know, um, yeah, it was a good start. It was, I think, winning only one try up, MR just in, inches short from scoring a try. And then, yeah, that, as I say, that middle period, England just dominated. But then at the end, and Chloe really scored a good try, had another good run. Beth Blacklock on her debut had a, a good break as well. And yeah, Brian was keen, Brian Easton was keen to point out after the game, you know, the impact of the bench. I mean, in the last couple of years, he's been kind of reticent to use the bench at times. And, you know, we all know now that. Rugby's a twenty-three player game. You can't you can't really get away with that. So, you know that trust in the in the sort of players below the starting fifteen is uh, is growing. And uh, you know obviously they're still missing a large batch of players. You know Sarah Bonner, Jade Conkle, Roberts, and about three or four others. So it was a game for for newer faces to step up. And I think um, you know a tough game, but I think they did that. And you know the young centre pairing, uh, Meryl Smith and, and Mr. Twenty-one and nineteen respectively was. Was pretty promising, so I think they've, yeah, I think they'll taken taken quite a few positives out of it. I mean, it's obviously a, a massive game against Wales now this weekend. I mean, we don't want to do a sort of uh, Matthew Tate on uh, on on Emma Orr, but I mean, she she's going to be special, isn't she? Oh yeah, I think so. I remember the uh, her debut was just last year against Wales a year ago. Now she she was just eighteen then, um, and after that game, Rachel Markham was. Was saying you know, these kind of players only come come around once every so often, and you know since then she's played at Commonwealth Games seven. She's played the World Cup. Um, she's just nineteen now, turns twenty next week. But yeah, I think she's uh, you know, she's got the game. She looks like one of those players that's really calm out there, which yeah, you know, not not every player does. So I think she's uh, yeah, I think she's got a big future. 
Is anyone back for for this week? You mentioned the the, the injuries there, Molly Wright, as, as well as in is in that list. Sarah Bonner's going to be a couple of weeks unless she properly did her collarbone. Um, where, where's where's Jay Conkle Roberts at? Yeah, I mean we haven't had a chance to speak to, to Brian again since Saturday okay. night, but I think um, judging from what he's been saying the last couple of weeks, I would think all of the injured players will not be back until the after the Easter uh, break. So yeah, I would imagine there won't be too many changes to the. 23 this week, but you never know someone like Jade, they can always make a, a quicker recovery than, the, than they think, because they seem to, seem to be kind of superhuman, those players, but uh, yeah, I think they'll probably be around similar lines for the squad this week. And even though they're on a losing run, I think it's 10 losses in a, a row against all opposition since beating Columbia last year, do you think they'll be going into that game v Wales, knowing they've all, they've all been pretty close over the last few years, it's a different feeling, isn't it, than going into games v England? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think obviously in those ten losses, two of them against Wales, you know, the Six Nations game last year, leading at half time nineteen seven and lost that game. I think Sinead Harry's kinda of turned that round and then the World Cup game, a lot of chances, couldn't quite get over the line. So, you know, there's I think the Wales are a team they they enjoy playing, but also one that they'd quite like to get one over on. But obviously Wales, you know, played well last week. So I think back at home with three home games this year this year, they've really got to uh, be targeting those and I think it you know is a a confidence belief thing as well for some of the younger players. I know they've been speaking to Aaron Walsh, the sports psychologist before the tournament, um just turning those one two point defeats into one two point wins. So I think it's uh yeah I think it's shaping up nicely but I think it's uh, also shaping up nicely to be a, a great game on Saturday. It, it is going to be tight Lauren. Well what do Wales Wales need to need to get right to come away from the DM Stadium health stadium I should say. Um, with a win. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because even though you talk about the way the set piece gave them a platform into that game, it's about how much of a step up this Scotland team is going to be. We've also I've also just seen now Gwen Crabb um, put on Instagram, the only way I can describe this feeling is heartbreak. Pretty hard to get my head around what's happened, but I'm just desperately sorry for her. Um, look, it didn't affect them at all, their performance on Saturday, but on a personal level, you know, she's only just come back, hasn't she, from a, a long-term injury. Um, December, I think she came back. So, yep. um, but yeah, look, they've, they've, they're full of confidence. Yeah. Like, Johan Cunningham couldn't stop smiling post-match. I'm delighted with the performance, delighted with the players, delighted with the stadium. They're in a good place. I suppose the one thing I would say is that the Arms Park will obviously provide them a different atmosphere. To, to It's the Dam Health Stadium, is it, in Edinburgh? It is, yeah. Um, but look, if I think we'll learn, we'll learn more. Obviously, it's a cliche thing to say we're going to learn more about every team after round two. But, um, you know, if Wales can go out there and put on a similar performance as they did the Ireland, then suddenly you're thinking they could give France a game. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I'm beautifully done, Lauren, because we're now just going to seamlessly move <laughs> on to uh, yeah, the France. He's done this before, ladies and gentlemen. Twice, twice I've sat you up. Yeah, beautiful. I'll knock him away. Thank you. 12.22 it was um, to, to France. Weather played a huge, huge factor um, who wants to kick us off, Gary? Yeah, I mean, as you say, the, the weather over there obviously was uh, was fairly testing. I guess um, you know there was a lot of a lot of errors in the game from 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 both sides, and I think Italy will be sort of looking back at that one, maybe thinking it's 
it's one that got away. I mean, I think it was 15-7 for quite a long, long spell till till near the end when Bouchard scored. And uh, yeah, it was um it wasn't I think for both both sides it wasn't probably their their sharpest performance, but with a lot of changes again since the World Cup for both. Um yeah, I think France will just have been uh, delighted to take that one off as a as a win and go there and get get back to to working for the next game against Ireland. But uh, yeah, I think it was uh, yeah the weather played a big part. And I think you know just errors at key key points for both sides when uh, when they were trying to get momentum. I think it was uh, yeah a bit stop start. I mean Gabrielle Verne was probably she was named player of the match, but I think she was probably the sort of standout player just with the the kind of skill that she showed and then. Um, yeah, I say France will just be happy to have got away with the win there. And looking at uh, at France, uh, obviously the changing but both coaching uh, setup, Zoran, um, David Ortiz and Gary Mignot. There's some continuity there because there were sort of assistants uh, before uh, Gio, Giovanni Ranieri uh, taken over for Italy. It's a bit like losing Sarah Hunter, isn't it? Um, losing Andrea Di Gian Domenico. Um, Always a mouthful, that always has been. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to say it quickly in commentary. Too early to to see any sort of real change that um, Ranieri's put, putting on this uh, Italian side? Yeah, I think it's probably true for both sides for, for that game on Sunday. I think France showed signs of being a team still getting to grips with new coaches, a new style potentially, and a handful of new players. The one thing we did learn about France is they can still rely on a powerful scrum which was particularly helpful in that second half when the weather changed and um, they obviously had depth on the bench which Italy didn't have probably not too dissimilar to to the way the men started the the Six Nations tournament and I see France just building from here you know they they know that when they need to turn it on they probably still can we saw glimpses of dangerous attack in play that I think is going to cause most opponents in this tournament a bit of trouble, a bit of trouble, but um, plenty of handling errors and missed opportunities as well. I think, given some of the, the territory possession dominance they have, I, I think I don't know what you think, Johnny, but the perceived wisdom is obviously that England and France appear and there's a step down to the rest. But do you think that gap? It, from you know, from round one, the gap looks to have closed a bit. England still out ahead, but France less convincing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's there was a raft of, of of French players, wasn't it? And and really, really good players on the park, but off the the park. Um, Sifian Di been around for a very, very long time, but um, yeah, a, a real sort of central figure off the field for them. Mayans, these kind of people. Um, Kind of drew out, decided to stay stay with the seven. So, Carl R. Bears youngster on her debut at a fly half. I think she you know, looked reasonably comfortable. Um, I, I think that the others are closing the gap. Um, certainly, I, I think France will will, will find their feet again. Um, and, and when you have the likes of Vernier to to lean on as and when you need to, and then you bring off you know, Jessie Chamulia. I know this is her her last few games, but uh, she comes on and just. Like Galaxy, isn't she? Just so smooth on the ball. She's just a, she's a, a, a exceptional, exceptional player. So yeah, I, I think I think that gap is is shortening. France go on to um, play Ireland. We we can only see one result there, can we, peeps? Um, you'd imagine so. Um, I mean, France obviously going as massive massive favourites for that. But I think as Lauren touched on earlier, you know, we're, we're maybe judging 
you know, Ireland a lot on that one game against Wales, but you know, being back at home in front of their friends, family, you'd imagine after the the men's Six Nations win and the under twenties Grand Slam as well, you know, that there's going to be a good crowd there at Musgrave Park, and you know that'll make a big difference for the for the Irish team and squad, and and yeah, they'll they'll want to bounce back from where they were, but yeah, you'd imagine that that France should win that one pretty comfortably. Yeah. They'll, they'll be interested to see how Ireland Ireland do at home, yeah. It's not the ideal game for Ireland. They almost, you know, need a Scotland or Italy, don't they? After this, I don't quite know how they approach that. Do they just keep things very simple and think, right, we need to concentrate on a, our set piece. We need a clear mould defence because France would have been watching that Wales game. Yeah, hundred percent will. And as you say, they could have had a a worse game. I mean, home comforts certainly uh, as as Gary alluded to but we're all going for a, a, an away win there that's uh, quarter past three uh, Ireland against France 5.30 uh, the Dam Health Stadium Scotland against Wales is there any point asking you you two who you think is going to win or is it one each Lauren yeah let's get that's a tidy way to finish isn't it one should we go one I'm going to go Wales <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really, a really close game. Obviously, my heart would say Scotland, and I think the team have got it in them to to do it. But they need to need to get off to a quick start in this game and not uh, not let the nerves kind of get to them. But yeah, it's going to be a, a cracker. All right, I'm going, to, I'm going to push you more because it's fairly obviously you're both going to go for your <laughs> your home nations scoreline. Is it going to be a, a Kira Bevan special to win it by a single point? I, th- I think it will be. Uh... A tight, a close scoreline. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go more than three. I'm seven points, maybe like 35 28 to Wales. I was gonna go for something like 22 17 to Scotland. I think it'll be a bit bit tighter, but uh, yeah, as long as it's a home win, that'll be, I'll be happy. Go yeah, walk actually, up 22 17, that. did you say? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> It is 35-28. That is bold, Lauren. I like yeah, it. I, yeah, I'm already questioning myself just because their defence was so good in Cardiff. So can I, is it too late to change my mind now? It's, in, gonna... the, it's in the ledger. <laughs> okay. okay. And anyway, you should never change your mind, should you? When you no, that. absolutely not. Uh, and then finally, uh, on Sunday, Upper Franklin's Gardens, um, England against Italy, the post-Sarah Hunter era starts. But we, we were expecting a, a home win, are we? I will go 40-12. Oh, if we're going for score predictions again, OK. Um, yeah, 35-7, I think it'll be. Johnny, are you playing? Are you pass eight game? No, no. Well, splinters? What? Sorry, no. <laughs> um, uh, yes, um, I'm going for a France win. Uh, England win. I'm not sure about the middle one. What? Sorry? <laughs> um, I know. Look, I think France win comfortably. Uh, 22 by 20, 20 points plus. I think England will win by eight. That's their bogey team. They don't like Italy, England. Never have red cards. Kids don't have clean yellow cards. They struggle, especially in first halves. Um, but I think they, they will have too much. Uh, 15 to 18 point difference there. Scotland, Wales. Oof. Oh, my word. Um, I have to go Wales, um, purely because I am half Welsh. Oh. But no, uh, we've made an analytical hat on. Um, I, I, I was hugely impressed by Wales. You've got to play what's in front of you. Um, 
but the 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 pack dominance. I think the changes behind the scenes, well, some um, coaching changes, um, and uh, yeah, individual performances from youngsters and, and experienced players. I think Wales will take that one. Yeah, and I, I would. Seven. I would just add, it's not all about professionalism with Wales. You know, the t- spine of that team play at Gloucester Hatbury, who I think have lost one game all season. Half plaques play for Bristol, so you've got real cohesion there. And they've also employed a full-time attack coach in Sean Corner, who's making a difference. So there are, you know, some, some perfect marriage. There are plenty of elements um, that, that contributed to last weekend's performance. Yeah, and I think with, with Scotland, you're probably still missing that quite key forwards, you know, obviously the England game wasn't one to judge, but the, the four top ball carriers were all backs. So I think they really need the some of the other forwards, the second rows and the, the back rows, Rachel McLaughlin and uh, Evie Gallagher likes to, to carry a bit more if they're going to really challenge Wales. And also, Johnny, I was just going to ask, obviously post-Sarah Hunter, who, what's the England uh, back row makeup going to be now with, with Sarah not there? Um, I, I think he has uh, two options. Uh, one would be fairly obvious to, to move probably clear uh, back to eight. Um, she was obviously player of the tournament a couple of years back uh, at, at eight when when Sinta was injured. I think he quite liked Bobby Cleal in, in, in the yeah. second round. Go on. She, I'm just, is she an injury doubt? Not okay. Enough. Sarah, Sarah Beckett uh, is another option. She was on the bench. And Cath O'Donnell, I know Simon Middleton is a is a big fan of Cath O'Donnell. I know many many were surprised to, that she was on the bench of the World Cup final rather than Rosie Gallagher. And you you you'd keep the Underhill Curry sort of Kabir Packer axis, wouldn't you? Um, all day long. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's where they'll go. Um, but look, I am conscious that Lauren has a a class to go to. She is a lady in high high demand. Uh, Gary's off for. 15 pints and a curry and uh <laughs> a typical right here, are we? <laughs> yeah. I'm Sweeping generalizations everywhere. <laughs> Guys, I really, really appreciate your time. Um thank you so much for, for your thoughts. Perhaps we can we can do this uh, again during the Six Nations. I have really, really enjoyed the chat. Gary, have a good evening. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, thank you very much. Lauren, take care. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you very much. Speak soon. Take Bye. care. Cheers. Bye. Bye.